Good morning. I'm Felicia Sanmez with The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, August 27th. James is out, but I'll be here instead with the day's top headlines. Here are three stories that should be on your radar. Number one. At the G7 summit on Monday, President Trump announced that he plans to invite Vladimir Putin to the group's 2020 meeting. The move capped off days of advocacy by Trump on behalf of the Russian president. 2020 is an election year, of course, and the news comes amid warnings that Russia is actively trying to interfere again in the U.S. presidential race. Russia was booted following its 2014 annexation of Ukraine's Crimean Peninsula, slimming the group of eight by a member. At a news conference on Monday, Trump told reporters that it would be better to have Russia inside the tent than outside the tent. His wish to restore Russia's legitimacy was in keeping with his longstanding role as a Putin cheerleader and apologist. But it was coolly received by other leaders at the gathering. And Russian officials aren't exactly leaping at the news. A Kremlin spokesperson told my colleagues Michael Birnbaum and Philip Rucker that Russia does not reject any communication formats, but is not going to push its participation on anyone. Number two. Speaking of the G7, Trump's suggestion that he will host next year's meeting at his golf resort in Doral, Florida, is raising some eyebrows. If Trump does choose Doral, he would be directing six world leaders, hundreds of personnel, and massive amounts of money to a resort he personally owns. The resort, according to Trump's company representatives, has been severely underperforming. One of the past two meetings hosted by the United States was held at Camp David, the presidential retreat in Maryland. The other was held on a resort island in Georgia. Trump noted Monday that his golf club is located near the Miami airport. He also praised the club's ample parking, as if world leaders generally lost time at summits while circling the parking lot. Many questions about the decision remain unanswered. My colleagues Josh Dossey and David Farenthold sent the White House questions about the logistics of the summit. Will the U.S. government pay to rent out Trump's resort? Would foreign governments pay? The White House did not answer. Number three. Johnson & Johnson will have to pay $572 million for its role in fueling the opioid crisis in Oklahoma, my colleague Lenny Bernstein reports. Monday's landmark decision is the first to hold a drug maker responsible for the nationwide epidemic of overdose deaths and addiction. More than 400,000 people have died of overdoses from painkillers, heroin, and illegal fentanyl since 1999. Reading from his decision, Cleveland County District Judge Thad Balkman said Monday that the opioid crisis has ravaged the state of Oklahoma and must be abated immediately. More than 40 other states are lined up to pursue similar claims against the pharmaceutical industry. That means Monday's ruling could influence both sides' strategies in the months and years to come. Plaintiffs' attorneys around the country are cheering the decision, saying they hope it will be a model for an enormous federal lawsuit scheduled to begin in Cleveland, Ohio in October. The case is being brought by nearly 2,000 cities, counties, Native American tribes, and others. 
And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, August 27th. Thanks so much for listening.